Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week we're featuring a special talk with the Rescue co-directors, E. Chai Vesserhelyi and Jimmy Chin, moderated by Film at Lincoln Center Executive Director Leslie Kleinberg. The Rescue chronicles the enthralling against-all-odds story that transfixed the world in 2018, the daring rescue of 12 boys and their coach from deep inside a flooded cave in northern Thailand. Academy Award-winning directors and producers E. Chai Vassarheli and Jimmy Chin keep viewers on the edge of their seats as they use a wealth of never-before-seen material in exclusive interviews to piece together the high-stakes mission, highlighting the efforts of the Royal Thai Navy SEALs and U.S. Special Forces, and details the expert cave divers' audacious venture to dive the boys to safety. The rescue brings alive one of the most perilous and extraordinary rescues in modern times, shining a light on the high-risk world of cave diving, the astounding courage and compassion of the rescuers, and the shared humanity of the international community that united to save the boys. This talk was first available to FLC patrons and members, who play such a vital role in all we do. If you're interested in supporting FLC by becoming a member and exploring member benefits, visit filmlink.org members for more information. Now, let's go to the talk. I wanted to just start with the sort of basic fundamental question of just how you got involved in this project. How did this, what, what is, the, what is the, the, the birth story of this project? Did you come up with it? Did somebody come to you? How long have you been working on it? Yes. Um, but first, thank you, Leslie, for doing this. Um, and thank you, Film at Lincoln Center. And a big thank you to Yancey Ford for hosting this event. We're so grateful um, for you, your friendship, and your hosting. Um, and also, I think, I believe Bob Eisenhart is here, our amazing and closest creative collaborator, editor. our editor of both Meru, Free Solo, and now The Rescue. Bob, do you want to jump up and down or like wave? Okay, right in the back, is, uh, right in the back, Bob. Bob. Yes. Um, and he's the accessory to Bonnie Mackay, who's actually like the real deal, Bob's partner in life. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I think if you think back to like that summer of 2018, it's strange to say this now, given everything we've, ex we've experienced, but like it was a pretty dark time in the world. And I just remember Jimmy and I being, we were transfixed by this story that was unfolding in Thailand, mostly the downs um, and then the like incredible ups. But it was also just that this idea that people from so many different walks of life, um, different nations, religions, languages, you know, creeds, colors, um, came together and only in coming together were able to achieve what seemed completely impossible. And I think that was an idea that like just stuck in our heads. And you know, this story was very popular. A lot of people were following it and so did we. Um, and when National Geographic um, acquired the rights to some of the story, um, we kind of pursued them and asked them if we could make the film. That's terrific. So it's a story you were aware of and you know, this is the, this is the documentary version of part of the story, not, not the whole story, I understand. Um, how did you get the access that you did get when you were there? Because you have access to pretty much every, everyone, the military, you have the divers. Did you know any of these folks before you started this in the world of adventure that you're involved in, Jimmy? No. Uh... <laughs> they were on the ocean floor while you've been on the mountains, yes. I guess. So yes, but I, I feel like you know, once we got to know the divers, um, there were kindred spirits. Uh, I think they were, you know, 
adventurers and explorers. Uh, they are of a particular type of personality and share traits of, of many people that I've worked with in the past and that Chai's worked with in the past. Um, but I think as we were, I was going to say diving, but um, I will say diving. As we were diving into the story, you know, I think we really found uh, another layer of the story that really compelled us to make this film, which was this idea of moral courage uh, and this question of if you are the only person that can save somebody, but you have potentially everything to lose, what would you do? And, you know, I think a lot of people followed the story, but didn't understand kind of the moral dilemmas that these divers ultimately faced, right? And they're amateur divers and amateur, well, they're, they're not professional rescuers, they're volunteers. Uh, they're electricians and IT consultants, and yet they bore the weight and responsibility of having to make these decisions, these impossible decisions um, about whether or not they should enact this rescue. And as you see in the film, they really did have everything to lose. I mean, with the kind of global scrutiny on this event and this outrageous plan, if things had gone wrong, it would have been very difficult to justify. I mean, they would, their lives and reputations would have been ruined, not to mention kind of the psychic trauma that they would face. And yet their instinct was, no, we have to do this because this is the right thing to do. And we can't live with ourselves if we don't try. I was this question of generosity that comes up, and you know, you, if you don't have generosity, you can't be a volunteer. If you don't have that spirit, I felt that very much also in the undercurrent of the film. Um, how did you elicit um, the cooperation, though, of these folks, and how did you get them to also recreate also some of what they went through? Which well, we're going to talk a little bit about the recreations, but. That's a pretty traumatic and intense thing to recreate, isn't it? I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Yes, I mean, that, would, that makes a lot of sense. So basically, though, it's interesting because I think that all the volunteers who participated in the rescue or everyone who participated in the rescue emerged transformed. And in terms of the international divers, it was that they'd spent this life, you know, pursuing this minority kind of strange, like hobby, essentially weekend warriors. And suddenly with this rescue it became a calling. So like for Rick Stanton, it turned out that he spent 40 years preparing for this one moment where he could actually truly help 13 individuals. So, you know, I, I think you see in the film, like at the end when Dr. Harris says, you know, like last be chosen for the cricket team, but first for the cave rescue or like, you know, Chris talking about how it gave him, like it found purpose for his kind of aloof demeanor. There was something transformative for everyone who participated. So for the divers, it was, they wanted to show us. And so the point is you can't ask these guys to act. Like we had a whole British English, American English situation going on where I was like, they're reenactments. They're like, we prefer to say recreations. I was like, well, actually recreations is worse than reenact. And I was like, finally we landed on demonstration. Um, and, and that's 
like literally what they did. They demonstrated what they did. And I have to say, this is the first film that we made where we weren't present for the principal action. And had we actually been on site, we would have we would never have watched this transpire because only ten individuals, those divers, actually witnessed it. And the reenactments themselves, the demonstrations themselves were a great learning experience for Jimmy and myself, because I have to say, like people, you can learn about something, you can read about something, you can interview people, but when you actually see, we hired um, several Thai child actors to, to play the children. And when you actually see someone bind a kid's hands behind their back, bind their feet together and push their head underwater, that's when like the, the response, the weight of the responsibility these divers were willing to take on, their, their generosity, um, really came home um, to us. And there were there were several like instances of that. Like also they showed up in the real gear, right? And like so Rick Stanton shows up with like duct tape around his knees, like his his wetsuit is shredded. I mean, like they're wearing flip-flops, and we're like, oh, no wonder the military had a hard time having faith in you. <laughs> I mean, like they look like they're a ragtag bunch of misfits, and that's who they are, but that's what prepared them for that moment. So that wasn't a traumatic experience. What was a traumatic experience that, or like what could have been a traumatic experience was I did have the opportunity finally in May to go to Thailand. And I met several of the children as well as Kochek. And they're literally the second sentence out of their mouth was like, will you show us Dr. Harris's footage? Cause they knew that we had acquired the um, Dr. Harris's footage of them actually being anesthetized. Oh, wow. And so, you know, as a I don't know, like as an educated human being who's also a parent, I was like, oh my God, this could really re-traumatize you. At the same time, like as a filmmaker and as a human, I was like, you, I have to show you. So I showed, the film wasn't done yet, so I showed them the, the rescue part portion of it. And, you know, it was really, you know, it was interesting. I'm happy that I could do that one thing, you know, and I'm happy they felt comfortable enough to ask. I also think that they, that the divers really wanted to share their story because in a lot of ways, you know, Rick said to me, I think we made it look too easy because everybody, for what everybody else saw and knew of, they went into the cave and they came out with the kids, you know? And as you see in the film, it was much more complex. Uh, the the decision-making aspect of it was incredibly challenging. The logistics, all of those pieces, you know, I think they, having been transformed by this event, wanted to share that story. So they were very open about it. Now, the Thai Navy SEALs was a slightly different story because, you know, they're a special operations team that runs covert ops, right? So they don't normally publicize what they do. And it really took a lot of negotiating to get them to the table. But you know, we felt like that was such a critical part of the story, you know, because they were, you know, incredibly important, if not, you know, key figures in helping, you know, build the infrastructure to basically a runway for the, the divers. You know, they, they, they were the ones that had to bring all of the tanks in, the, the oxygen uh, tanks they needed to as you see in the film, you know, there's hundreds of people, hand, you know, handing these stretchers hand over hand through this, like, incredibly precipitous cave uh, from chamber three to, out to the front. And, 
you know, all the medical stations from there on out. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that we shared that side of the story. And, and it was kind of like pulling teeth, but they finally came through. But it wasn't, we also had heard that they had a, this, this footage and, you know, took two years of negotiating and it wasn't until Chai got her second vaccination and flew to Thailand and knocked on the admiral's door and spent five days trying to convince them to, to give us the footage that they had, uh, which was actually totally incredible to me because I, I had given up. I was like, there's no way they're going to give it to us. And, and they didn't actually hand it to Chai right away. They flew a delegation of Thai Navy SEALs to New York with the hard drives in a briefcase to our studio and um waited for you to transfer it and took the drive back i mean you, you have to sign like a destroy like we will destroy it piece of contract but um it's actually kind of an amazing story and it's kind of like a women's work story where the admiral of the thai navy seals is married to a woman who's a journalist and the admiral's wife is the only person in the world who could have possibly brokered access to that cave because her husband can't do it because he's, you know, in charge of the operation. He can't, you know, decide to, like, film it, too. And all the Thai Navy SEALs knew her very well. And so she just asked them to carry these GoPros. And, you know, it's incredible. Like, it just, it's, it's a totally incredible, like, story of, like, having, like, the initiative and the vision to do it. But the issue was for her was she only had a part of the story, right? Because you needed, you know, the, the international divers part of the story, too, which she didn't have access to. So... Um, it was, you know, it was a, it was a important collaboration and she came here and she worked with us and explained all the footage. And, you know, I have to say it was something of like a documentary miracle. Like you, this is a film, we weren't there for the principal action, but who knew that they filmed like the moment, like beyond when they just found the children, the moment of like John's motivational cheer, when they filmed that they, someone filmed when John and Rick emerged in chamber three to let the Thai Navy SEALs know they found the children. You know, like the oxygen, I mean, everything. Like it was these things that actually allowed the reenactments to, all the most important moments are real. And so the reenactments end up being kind of like the tissue that connects the joints. And that's, I think, what allowed them to work. At what point in your editing process did you get all that footage? How far into it were you? Bob. Um, Bob. <laughs> it was, okay, it, so we were supposed to lock the picture June 1st. Um, I was in Thailand May 15th. The footage arrived in New York on June 15th. So, I mean, that was, I mean, not very long ago. And so um, we anticipated maybe they had an hour and it turned out they had 87 hours of footage, <laughs> which again, amazing. But like we, you know, Bob and his incredible team, our incredible team, we all looked at each other and understood exactly what it meant, which was like, there will be no summer. You know, you'll be staying in the edit room, but it's and it's going to be incredibly painful as you tear apart a film that it was already working. Yeah. But it was the good fight, yeah. and if these rescuers could do what they did, like at least we could do our part. You know, you know that's the story of capturing the Freedmans, right? That they had cut the whole film, and then the family said, "Well, you know, we have these home movies for you're interested." Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen that film, you know that, that that's a pretty transformative moment. Um, let me ask you just 
you know, about the editing process and just your process in general. Like, how long have you been working on this, and how did you work on it during COVID, and how did you shoot what you had to shoot, and, you know, what was your timeline for this film? We signed on officially October 2019, and it started kind of like this sifting process because, again, like, no one was allowed on the ground, and yet like the entire media, international media was on the ground, but they were always kept in arm's length. So it was kind of the sifting process of saying like, oh, there, and also the divers like would growl at the camera, like if not run away, they would just like actively avoid the media. So it was like the sifting process where you'd look at like, oh, CNN has a shot and the local time website has another shot. Maybe together there's a moment. Um, but, you know, we were supposed to go to Thailand for the first time, February 20, um, 20 and you know that the world you know collapsed we had three cinematographers like respectfully like step out of the project and so the writing was on the wall and so we couldn't go which started this like very strange process where one Bob Eisenhart was hermetically sealed into a house in upstate New York <laughs> I, like I joke but I'm not joking <laughs> We could leave a drive outside of his house. Um, but, and he was working remotely and we were conducting many of these interviews over Zoom where you would hire like a local um, team to yeah. film while we asked ask the questions over Zoom. And like to that end, like we've still never met Dr. Harris in person. He lives in Australia with the most strict, you know, COVID um, quarantine rules. So we've never met him. And he, you know. So you did all of these interviews with Zoom via, uh, during COVID? It wasn't, they weren't all over Zoom. Um, eventually, like in October of 2020, we went to shoot our reenactments wow. in England. And while we were there, we did them, oh, yeah, we did them in person. Um, but yes, like all the Thai Navy SEAL footage, uh, Zooms are, are, are Zoom, um, interviews are Zoom. And, you know, it's not the same, but, you know, you try your best. Hi, I'm Clinton Crute. And I'm Devika Girish. We're the editors of Film Comment. The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. Yeah, I also think one of the biggest challenges with the film was just it was such a forensic exercise because there were so many different pieces and the story was so fragmented from so many different perspectives. People were just in different parts of the cave or outside the cave with very specific objectives. So I think just even getting the timeline down and what actually happened and corroborating kind of interview answers and piecing all of it together that initially was just kind of a Herculean task. Uh, and I think, you know, Chai's background in, in the films that she's made was really took the lead on that and did an incredible job. Cause I think it's just, it's so hard to even get the facts straight, you know, um, and then once we were able to do that, that's when we started to kind of piece the film together. It was also how we went back to do the 
reenactments, demonstrations, um, because we knew specifically what scenes we needed. And, you know, I think authenticity and accuracy are hugely important to us as filmmakers. Uh, so we were able to go in and say, okay, Rick, you know, on day 17, what exactly, you know, can you demonstrate exactly what you're doing in chamber nine at this time? And so I think what you're seeing is accurate to the moment that we're trying to portray. Uh, but we had that initial groundwork that was really critical to begin with. But just to that end, like, I have to say, like, it's astonishing. Um, there are several books that have been written about this by all the primary participants. But it, the story itself was so fragmented because of the rights issues, because of all these issues around it, where, like, it was only, like, I think we were probably the only people who spoke to both the international, primary international divers and the Thai Navy SEALs. So we had, like, one big scoop. Like, I guess that's what you talk about it, like, in, in journalism, where we finally were able to confirm how Simon Gunan died, where his, his own wife, his widow, did not know. And because it was the only time the admiral went on the record to explain it, and everyone else had had like conjecture about like how they think he had died, and so it just was—it's kind of astonishing because it's about all these different points of view, and also like the cultural differences and misunderstandings that were present throughout the whole rescue, and it just also just underscores like <laughs> kind of what a miracle it was that people found their way through it all. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's interesting being like that sleuth, you know, kind of goes back to investigative reporting. Well, what, what was the most surprising thing that you found out? That I mean, not just that how this gentleman passed, but what what would you what was the most surprising part of the film itself of making it, and what you what did you think in the beginning, and how did you how it ended up? Maybe I would answer that question saying like, who's to say? that the monk, Krombunshum, didn't save the children. And likewise, who's to say that like the kids' faith didn't contribute to their survival? And that was really our task at the end, end of the day. Like Jimmy and I felt acutely aware as Asian filmmakers or Asian American filmmakers. And for me, like it's a little bit different. Like I, I'm biracial. So my mom is Buddhist and I could, you know, I've done a lot of spiritual stuff like to honor my grandparents, including like, you know, buying a cardboard Mercedes to burn so that my grandfather has this in his afterlife. I mean, like, stuff. Okay, where at, I mean, like, I, I, I always thought that would be, like, my first, like, short film. Anyway, no, it's a total, no, but, like, the other things we did, like, are such antics. But then my dad is Hungarian, and he's a professor of artificial intelligence. So, like, you really can't get more different. Um, and I just felt both of their like voices in my head. And so I, I mentioned Bonnie earlier because Bonnie's also very spiritual, who's, you know, Bob's counterpart. And so it kind of was always like, well, what would Bonnie say? Like, who's to say that like the princess yeah. didn't really contribute to this? And like, and then there was this other very crazy thing that happened where, you know, there was every obstacle possible with this film. Like there's rights issues, there's no footage. You know, if you had footage, it would be pitch black other side of the world, the pandemic. And then I was like, we have to talk to the monk. Turns out the monk took an oath of silence for three years after the successful <laughs> rescue of the children. Okay. And Jimmy and I have experienced this before, like in terms of like the, um, you know, the sadhus in the, in the Himalayas, you've taken the oath of silence. So we're like, we'll send in a whiteboard. They weren't taking it. Okay. 
And then, so the three-year anniversary of the rescue happened this summer, and basically everyone in Chiang Mai, like, had heard, like, you know, they kind of, I was there, everyone kind of heard what we were doing, and we had, like, the head of the Water Diversion Project, Tanet Natsiri, who was pivotal in this whole film, he's on one of our executive producers, too, like, he'd kind of been around, and everyone knew what we were, and suddenly, like, a box of a thousand blessed bracelets showed up at our apartment in Manhattan, so it's like, again, like I, everything surprised us about this film. I, I made a note of that about faith and, and what role it had because it was, there are moments like that and, you, and I think you do build up to it in a reasonable way, not an unreasonable way for you to have that moment of thinking like, well, what was that? I mean, when you see the parents all there on the side, they're all praying and everyone is getting ready. And then isn't being a volunteer like that is a form of faith in my, from my perspective. Yes. So yeah. that the first shot actually, it was so shocking to me, that first shot when the kids emerge and you see like 200, 300 people are in the cave waiting for them yeah. to bring them up. Yeah. That's- And that's Thai Navy SEAL footage. And that's yeah. like that one particular shot was the thing that truly surprised me where like you finally could see why you needed thousands of people to support yeah. these 10 individuals. Yeah. I think like Chai, I also kind of grew up in with one foot in each world, you know, my parents were Chinese immigrants and I grew up in Minnesota, which is not like hugely crowded with Chinese people. Um, but just this idea that, you know, it's an easy trap for all of us to believe our belief system is the only real belief system. But if you travel at all, you understand that that's not the case, right? Or even here in New York, but, um, just to present this idea that there, you know, everybody in Chiang Rai was believed that the monk could save them. And like Chai said, who's to say that he wasn't the one? Uh, and just to present the, the idea, um, to have people understand or think, think, that, think about that question. I want to have a chance for everyone to have a, ask you some questions at our reception and everything, but I just wanted to ask before we conclude, just what is a process like for you as partners in life and in work and as co-directors, your third film that you've co-directed, um, and you're balancing your family life, and it's COVID and all these other things. How do you manage that process in a film like this? And you weren't there during that initial shooting, so a lot of it is in post, right? You're not in, literally in post, but the process feels more post than normal. I mean, I think this being our third film together, and I say our film together, I also mean Bob. It's like really a triumvirate, okay? <laughs> like it's Uncle Bob to our children. Like it means a whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of trust um, in each other. Uh, and I think just as a team, um, we have had so much time working on, on films we understand everybody's strengths. Uh, I think there's a lot of efficiencies in that. When when you know when you when you well for me it's like okay, 
if Chai has says she's got this, she's got it. If Bob and Chai say they've got it, they've got it. You know, I mean, we know where we each can contribute in a meaningful way. Um, and it's it's pretty extraordinary and and to to be able to work with Bob and Chai. Um, yeah, it's it's really incredible. This this film for me was uh, was just an amazing experience to see that kind of um, collaboration. But yes, we're also co-parents, and that part is a little insane. Our children are kind of feral <laughs> at this point. <laughs> It's like less good when he says it than when I say it. I'm just saying, like as a mom, no. I, I always say it's like it's chaos all the time. And like the best thing has been to kind of, I think every parent in this room can be like, you sometimes just accept it and hope that by your children seeing you pursue something that you're passionate about, they learn that they can do that. And that's why I work because both my parents loved what they did. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I was trying like early, an hour ago. We we're trying to help our five-year-old make like a Chinese-style gingerbread house. Like I'm telling you, it's pretty challenging. <laughs> like anyway, so it's always like both. It's everything at once. At what point do you bring Bob into your process when you're working on a film? When you start up and you say, "We have a new film, Bob," and get ready to learn about cave diving, or it's more like, "Do you think this is okay? Like, should we do this? Should we not do this? How are you feeling about it?" Um, yeah, yeah. Very early. Very, very, I mean, it's from the very beginning always. Like yeah. even when it's, I mean, there are many things I've never seen fruition that we've talked about. Yeah. And in this film, I, I was being slightly facetious in saying it was post the whole time, but obviously you shot a lot of stuff for this. But what, uh, um, in, in terms of knowing the, the demonstrations and recreations, you said you waited until the end to kind of figure out how to use them or fit no. them through or did you do it early? Uh, maybe I misunderstood that. It's yeah. a, no, it was, it was, um, it was October, 2020. So it was like rather early in like, given that we only finished in September of 2021, it was like, you know, it was 10 months earlier. Um, and you know, again, like we hadn't met everyone in person yet. We didn't know, like we didn't know everything. Um, we hadn't interviewed the Thai Navy SEALs yet. So we went on like kind of a wing and a prayer, like hoping we got it right and like really working with the divers to be in the moment, um, to understand their experiences. And, you know, I, again, I think it's a kind of a documentary miracle that it actually happened to work out that we got those real moments later. So we were able to, match them. yeah, match them up. And so it, it, it was always our intention to use those reenactments in a, as a way to let people actually feel it in the moment. But, and I think it would have worked, but it, it's it's much better now that we can have we can represent this multiple these multiple points of view with the real footage. What's really astonishing, I really want to thank you for presenting it, and thank you all for being here tonight. And I hope you'll join us in the Furman Gallery. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Yes. No, no, thank you so much. Thank you all for coming out. And again, thank you, Yancy.